American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is perfect purpose, and this is American football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Coach Q and Spencer Cutlin. What's going on, fellas? Yo, what's up? Hey, guys. What's going on? The AFF podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, American Football in Finland is currently available on more than 25 different platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to rate us, and if you give us anything less than five stars, we will know that you are a hater. Now, let's get into first down, guys. Uh, Coach Q, kick it off, man. What's going on with you? Of course, I'm going to stick to football. I like the ELF is adding a lot of teams that I didn't expect to be added, um, but, uh, but I like seeing it. I like seeing it, man. I'm excited about the ELF season more than anything. I know we covered the Maple League, but seeing Milano, Italy be added to ELF, like, I'm excited now. A lot of my favorite European teams are, are, are participating. I, I just like that, man. I like to see, like, more competition now, so. With that happening, you know, ELF is getting big out there. Every time they add a team, my inbox gets flooded. So when is <laughs> Finland coming? If you know, I was in Sweden this past weekend, and, you know, I found out some information. But I don't use Purvis Nose anymore, guys. So, you know, I can't be, I can't be spilling all the tea. <laughs> I would like to throw my hat in the ring, guys, that, you know, all this international football going on. Self-proclaimed, we're the best football podcast in Europe. It has to do with football in Europe. Straight up. Yes, sir. I don't yes, sir. care what the ELF insiders got going on and what everybody else is doing, but no one can tell me that this ain't the best and most consistent podcast in Europe in the last five years because we've been doing it. So mm-hmm. since we've been doing it, shoot, let us level up. We, we, we like to you know go some places. Mazzano. You want to travel? I go to Hungary. I don't care for East Europe, but I go to Hungary. You know, cover some football, and it ain't nothing to us. We'll make the trip. Um, you guys know me. I go places. I'll be all in the Nordics, just watching football. I was in Sweden this weekend. Talked to the the guys from the Oslo team. They're like, so what? So what are you doing out here? I was like, I came to watch the game. They're like, you came all the way over here to watch football. I was like, that's what I do. And that's what we do. That's AFF, you know? (laughs) Like, y'all going to catch me all in Finland this summer. You know, I'm going to be back on the road. I'm not going to Sinayoki, guys. I'm sorry. It ain't happening. (laughs) (laughs) I like Sinayoki, but I'm not making that trip. Yeah. I don't don't think I want to make that trip. I'm going to go Copio, though, because that's a little bit easier. Uh, What about you, Spencer? What's something that you want to talk about? Because I know in the group chat, you were were ready to get on this first down topic. Yeah, I mean – I don't know what it is for Americans. They probably don't know what it is. But uh, Eurovision happened yesterday. Yeah, let's go. Uh, go ahead, explain it more, please, please. So Eurovision, for those of you who don't know, uh, if you're not from Europe, um, it's basically a song contest where every every European country puts forward an artist or a group, um, and they make a song. Uh, they have total free reign of what they do. They can go rock, reggae, you know, anything they want. Um, and usually... The UK, where I'm from, does absolutely terrible. We won it once, and everyone went crazy. And forever since then, they've been trying to reclaim that position, putting forward you know legitimate stars. Because usually it's it's unheard of artists, you know, people from 
left field and they do maybe some politically leaning kind of stuff. But um, yeah, we came second this year. So uh, we had a decent song. It was pretty good. The winners were Ukraine. You know, I, I don't know whether that's a, you know, a sympathy vote. Uh, some politics in there. Especially when, you know, the, the president comes in after and was like, oh, this shows, you know, how, how proud we are and everything. And I get that. That's fine. But um, yeah, it was quite exciting to see Britain, the UK, actually get um, a decent song and, and come second. So that was uh, kind of a, a good evening, I would say. Mm. So, so like with the Europe, is just one day or is it like a, a couple of days or? It's like a selection process. Um, mm. especially individually in, in each country, you have like a selection process because they'll have mm. more people applying to, or, you know, putting forward a song, then the people choose the song. And then you have like um, a couple of days leading up to it and things like this. Ultimately, it's the votes from each other's countries. They vote. I watched once, but I didn't know like the process. You know, I'm from American Idol area. So I apologize if you're listening also for my ignorance on the, you know, Eurovision and pretty much anything that's on TV regionally, like by countries and stuff. Like I don't watch Eurovision. I don't watch. There was a hockey playoffs this weekend of some sort. The World Cup. There's World Cup, but isn't there like NHL playoffs? NHL playoffs too. Tampa Bay Lightning is in yeah. there. So. Guys, yeah. I don't I don't watch hockey. I don't give two shits about it. And I live in <laughs> Finland. But but knowing in Finland when hockey stuff happens, I noticed that people start, you know, doing different stuff. All of a sudden my timeline is flooded with stuff and I don't don't know what's going on. And I will mm-hmm. never know. I'm sorry, guys. There's just some things I I don't care about. I, don't, I just don't. The show is about football, but that's first down where we yeah. talked a little bit about football. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time this show comes out, the players of the week will have been announced on our social media channels. But we wanted to talk about these players so you guys kind of understand why we picked them to be players of the week outside of their stats. And obviously there's only one game this week. So it's kind of like player of the game, but we do have two choices. And first we have our offensive player, which I think this one's easy. I think anyone who watched the game is going to know who the offensive player is. I think it's unanimous is Ville Linston from the Coopio Steelers. He played fullback and tight end in the game, had three touchdowns, seven receptions for 105 yards. He really just put on for the big boys. Spencer, what's a little bit about the way that he played in this game that stood out to you outside of, you know, the stats that I just threw at you guys? I'm a fan of a fullback. I'll say that. I love that fullbacks aren't dead. You know, you see it in the NFL, but, you know, there's only a few teams that can utilize a good fullback. But I love what the Steelers did this weekend. Um they had uh, had some key um, fullback screens, which was wild. I love it. Um, there was one in the second quarter and a big one in the third quarter. Obviously, uh, Linston was uh, really taking the range with the running game with 105 yards. Well, just in the game until in, in uh, from now on, I'm going to call him uh, Big Truck. Big Truck. Okay, <laughs> Nick, nicknames have been given out week one. Truck. <laughs> But the thing that surprised me the most is that, like, man's got hands. You know, he made a few hand catches there. And- he, he's been catching pretty well since he's been there. What they did well in this game was they expanded on what he's been doing for the last three years. They've been trying to get him into the offense, just hadn't really worked the way that they want to. And the offense looked different. He definitely played a big role. And it looks like it works for them. Yeah, what about okay. you, Q? What are your thoughts on uh, Villa? Oh, man, he... uh 
I won't say he surprised me. I didn't expect him to have like a game anyway, uh, but this type of game was major. He did, the, I think, the most he could do for the team to win, uh, the most dominant player, obviously. I don't think the Roosters were ready for that at all. Like, I don't think the game plan for him touching the ball as much as he did. So he definitely balled out. I mean, look at the stats. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great way to start off the season with, you know, yeah. offensive MVP goes to a tight end slash fullback. They set the tone with Ville Linston. But moving to the defensive player, uh, defensively, we went with the safety, number 37, Tino Ndongo. He had five tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss. I'm going to talk about this guy first because he was one of my choices for top players in the game. Change of positions, I put that aside. He's an athlete. He can play multiple positions. I, I'm going to forget about his receiver days and just think of him as a safety. What he did in this game was he put an emphasis on everything the Roosters did. If they were running the ball and say they were they were getting tackled, next thing you know, you see number 37 come in there and put his shoulder into somebody. Like he was making contact at all times. He was ending runs. You know, you're not getting any forward progress yards with him coming downhill. He had two and a half tackles for loss. He was in the backfield when they was trying to run the ball outside on screens or even run plays. He was hitting the alley, getting downfield, making tackles. And obviously in the back end, he was doing his coverage, but wasn't needed to do too much coverage in this game just because of the way the offense was run. It was really impressive to see him make those plays, seeing him in the velodrome, shooting like a dart into the holes to make those plays reminds me of a, a younger Curtis Slater when he played for the Roosters, you know, mm. something that was underrated in his game was that he was able to make tackles in the backfield from the safety position. And that's what I seen Tino do in this game. And it was really great and surprising, but really good to see that all the, the noise I talked about their defensive backs being good. He kind of helped, you know, confirm it. And verify what I had already said, you know, because I want to be right. I think Tino was very, very active on the defense. I think it was a good move by Corpio putting him on defense, too. We all know what he can do on offense, but seeing him on defense, him flying around, the speed, um, the aggression, it fits just just right for their defense. And um, I think that was a great coaching move by Corpio. He was everywhere, literally. Like, he saved a few, few probably could be touchdowns. Very, very active on the defense. Tino did a great job. i never seen him play defense like that. i never seen it. So, yeah. I didn't, it was something new to me, but I like it. You know, yeah, I, I yeah, like yeah. That, like, the receiver goes straight to the defense and, and immediately make an impact. And I think that's what they need to, like, continue to – to stop teams, though. So it was a good game by Tino. What about you, Spence? What are your thoughts on Tino? I think it's very refreshing to see an athlete be able to play both positions. Mm-hmm. Um, like, obviously, he went away to Germany and, and picked up some great skills. Maybe, you know, helped them out in the sort of his preparation, maybe. I, I'm not sure, but he's come back fresh. And he's, okay, it's only one game, um, but it's against one of the best teams out there. You know, they had weapons. Uh, I'll, I'll comment later about you know, what I thought about the um, the receiver core of the Roosters. But, you know, and Ongo did great. And when was the last time you could honestly say uh, a native Finnish player plays both sides of the ball to that level? It's really good to see a native guy just balling out on both sides and really showing his uh, athleticism. I'm trying, like, when you say that, I immediately, I'm trying to think in my head of someone who, you know, played on one side and then later played on another side. I can't think of anybody. 
some of the Roosters guys have done offense, defensive line, but again, I don't. I think skill players are a totally different beast. Congrats to both of those guys, Ville and Tino. Definitely showed out in this game, and what a game it was. So with that, we'll get into it, guys. Are you looking for quality football apparel and accessories at an affordable price? Rare Athletics is made for players by players. Head over to rare.se and get your drip today. That's R-E-Y-R-R dot S-E. And use code AFF20 to receive 20% off all Rare brand products. Let's talk about some of the key player performances that might not have been, you know, big stat situations. Obviously, you can look at a stat sheet and see this guy did this, this guy did that. So you guys can do that, and we'll let you do that. But who's a guy that stood out in this game that maybe the stats would show that you saw perform well? I'm going with Bryce Stancone, quarterback for the LCD Roosters. Okay. The reason I'm going with him is watching him, he does have an arm, does have the ability to spread the ball around. Being that it was the first game, the Roosters have a lot of work to do as far as the chemistry with him and those receivers. He's definitely not equipped with what Miro had uh, all around him in, in my eyes from his first game. Maybe everybody didn't play. Maybe they're still expecting some other guys to come back from injuries or, or start the season. I know how it is when it comes around that first game. Like a lot of people aren't there yet. Um, so I won't go too deep in it. But I think Bryce showed some good things in that game. I think he, he showed that he, his ability, his athletic ability is there. He is capable of, of taking his team to the level that they want to be. I think they're just so young right now, and they just have to get an identity. The team just needs an identity. Definitely a new Roosters team. Yeah. Um, but I won't, I won't expound too much on that part of it, but I'll just stick with Bryce. I mean, he, he didn't have like a, necessarily a bad game. I did see some, some good things. So he will be up there in the numbers. I think he will be in, in the top leaders of stats once they get it going and, and get some momentum in that offense um, because they, they put up some points. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to beat Corpio. Corpio is a well-seasoned team. A lot of those guys played together, so it's easier for them to have that chemistry. But Bryce did have a pretty good game to me despite the score. He's definitely a good thing for the Roosters um, this season. He just has to, has to bring it together and just get a little more chemistry with the receivers. He won't be a reason they don't win, that's for sure. Yeah. There were drops in this game. Yeah. There were a ton of drops, and that hurts a quarterback's, you know, rhythm, down distance. They weren't able to run very well, but when they needed to catch passes, they didn't always catch them. That is something that's not on him. He was hitting people in the chest or at least the hands. So, like you said, he played well. Just you need more than just one guy. Uh, what about you, Spencer? Who's somebody you saw that kind of stood outside the numbers? Yeah, so someone who helped uh, the Roosters QB was, um, I got his name here, Christopher Parlin, O-line, the right guard. No, right okay. guard. Tackle, sorry. Number 76. I mean, he wasn't a showstopper. I'm not saying he's, like, you know, amazing, but um, I thought he had a really good game. I know that's weird to be saying right tackle, but, you know, they're going to need it. They need to get their run game going. And like you said, there's been a lot of drops. They are forced in the past, so that O-line is going to be critical for success. And I, I thought the right tackle had a great game. Um, he's not the most mobile, but I saw him really, really get out of his stance and, and really spread the pocket. And um, I thought he had a good game. I know that's a bit out of left. No, that's perfect. If you've ever listened to our show, we don't really talk about the linemen. We kind of talk about the line as a general thing. And I'm really glad you pointed out the right tackle because – 
I don't know if I'll get to it in the show, but there were some linemen that I don't want to mess up the segment. Okay. <laughs> the right tackle played good. And that's what it was. He he definitely played well. And I agree with you. Third guy, I'm gonna throw a guy in here. Ronnie Line. My guy. Mm. My guy. I was talked about him before the season. And I know the audio's not gonna sound good, but that's me clapping my hands over here because I'm trying to tell you guys something. This is what happened in this game early in the game. First of all, I looked at the starting roster. And I was like, okay, they got Marcus out there starting at corner, Ronnie at, at slot. That's about what I was expecting, nickel. And let's just be honest. First couple um, pass plays for the Roosters, they found a weakness in Marcus. They said, we're going to exploit this matchup. And they had a couple completions downfield. They had two, like, good completions against Marcus playing corner. And instead of them saying, okay, let's replace him, they just moved Ronnie over there. Ronnie's a, a, a nickel backer. They just put him in corner because that's who Ronnie Line is. He's the dude that can do it all. And when he went over there, he didn't jump into the stat sheet. He got one pass breakup. But what he did was his guy wasn't open. He did what he had to do, and that's what Ronnie Line does. This is why he's, he's an all-star caliber of defensive back. And in this game, he proved it. And he proved that – the Steelers coaching staff believes in him in that same aspect. As we said before the season, they have 10 DBs. They could have easily went to the second string cornerback and said, or they could have flipped Marcus to the other side. But instead they said, you know what, we're just going to slide Ronnie in here and this is how we're going to ride. And when Marcus went into the slot, he did fine. So it worked perfect for this defense. And like I said, before the season, Ronnie is going to let them be able to do stuff like that. And that's what he did in this game, and it was great. Uh, yeah, that's all I got on that. So those are a couple of guys who stood out in this game outside of the numbers. There's plenty of football going on in the world right now outside of the Maple League. So I just want to talk a little bit about some of those things going on. First here in Finland, we have the Women's Maple League. This last weekend, Tampa the Saints beat the Loyal Lioness 44-28. to The Helsinki Wolverines beat the Turku Trojans 14-0. And the Mikolay Bouncers beat the West Coast Phoenix 14-0. So the first week of games for the Women's Maple League is underway. Half of them are undefeated and half of them have yet to win a game. That's how that goes. Back to the men's side of things and talking about the Scandinavian Cup that was played this last weekend. Stockholm Mean Machines from Sweden played against the Oslo Vikings from Norway. The Mean Machines came away with the win 39-17. I was actually at that game. It was a great game to watch, similar to the Steelers-Roosters game from this last weekend in Finland where two good teams played. One team was obviously the better team. But it was never really a boring game or a game that you just thought, like, okay, I've seen enough. So good game by both teams. Really great to see the Nordics playing against each other, no matter the time of the year or season. Also in the Scandinavian Cup, the Karlstad Crusaders beat the Eidsvall 18-14s 43-15. Karlstad is from Sweden. Eidsvall is from Norway. And it was just a lopsided game. The third game in the Scandinavian Cup from this weekend was the Alberg 89ers from Denmark versus the Christian Sad Gladiators from Norway. This was a close one. 
Auburn won 27 to 21. Looks like those two teams were pretty evenly matched. So that's a good thing for the Cup Series as well. Two fine teams on the similar levels being able to compete against each other and get better. Outside of that, let's talk about the international side of football going on right now. The ELF, I always have to like think about how I'm going to say it. Is it ELF or is it L or Elfalo? But it's ELF. The European League of Football had its 2022 press release this weekend, and they announced that there's going to be three new teams for 2023. The Milano Seamen out of Italy, their organization is now going to be playing in the ELF starting in 2023. And also there's going to be two more teams. One team is going to be based in Zurich, Switzerland, and they're called the Helvetic Guards. And this is a brand new team, so this isn't like a Swiss team joining. It's not the Zurich Renegades becoming this team. It's the Switzerland team, Hel- Helvetic Guards. It's just based in the city of Zurich. And the third team is the Hungarian Enthroners, which is a combination of the Throners team that's playing in Hungary right now. I don't know how to say that word. It starts with an F, but it's about 60 kilometers outside of Budapest, which is where they're claiming to be the, you know, the city is from the Budapest, but also with that city, they decided to just call it the Hungarian Enthroners, which is a good name, I guess. It's a hungry team. That's just what's going on internationally. The ELF now has 15 teams, not this season, but in 2023, and most likely they will find a 16th team. I think a lot of people assume that it has to be in France or the Nordics. Just looking at the landscape of things, obviously there's teams in Germany, there's teams in Austria, there's teams in Spain, now Italy. Um, you have a Poland team already. Hungary was a little bit outlier. Switzerland is right in the middle of all those places, so that makes sense. And it seems like you've got Europe well covered. Unless, I guess, unless you want, like, a Netherlands team, which that doesn't really make sense. I don't think you need Netherlands and even Belgium. I don't know. Those are two areas, maybe. I don't know if the market's large enough. But there's not a a Finland, Sweden, Denmark, or Norwegian team. And from what we all know, one of those countries is going to have to represent pretty much the entire area. So uh, we'll see. I don't know much about who's in charge of all that stuff. So we don't know, but right now there's 15 teams, the ELF, and that's great for the ELF and brings a little bit of attention to football in Europe. Uh, Last thing before we get out of here, other news this last weekend, I know there were junior games all over Finland. I can't keep up with all those schedules guys, but congratulations to everybody who won and better luck next time. to Everybody who did not win. Okay. And that's other news calling all junior skills players. Quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. If you were born between 2009 and 2003, this midsummer is your opportunity to shine. We'll be hosting our annual AFF Nordic Challenge 7 vs. 7 tournament in Lati on June 22nd. Top performers will be selected for the AFF Revolution teams in divisions U19, U17, and U15. These teams will have the chance to compete throughout Europe in the fall and play for the European Championship the following spring. If that isn't enough, there will be USA coaches in attendance scouting for their respective high schools and colleges. Due to field availability, registration will close once we meet the maximum number of participants. So head over to the website and sign up today. 
Registration can be completed at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash Nordic dash challenge. We all know the result of the game from this last weekend, but if you don't know, the Steelers won 49 to 20. Corpio Steelers defeated the Helsinki Roosters. But that's not what the show is about because that's, you know, boring news. This show, we're going to try to explain which one of these teams won the game versus which one of these teams lost the game. Normally, this works best with more games, but with this one game, let me ask you two guys, who do you think, do you think the Steelers won the game or do you think the Roosters lost the game? And Q, I'll let you go first. I think the Steelers won the game. Even though I picked the Roosters to win, the Steelers still were a better team. It was obvious they're just ready. Um, I don't – there's no other way to put it. First game – well, second game for the Roosters – I feel no, like first game. Is, let's let's first. We gotta okay. stop, we gotta stop okay. talking about Schwaber's All right, We're not gonna talk about that, but I expected the Roosters to play better, but I also expected them to have issues too because they're so young and inexperienced at certain positions. Mm-hmm. Corpio looks like a team that's ready to go back to the championship. I mean, just from the first game, they look they didn't show a lot. I think they had a strategy and a game plan and they stuck to it and it worked. I mean, they scored a lot of points for a first game, and mostly because execution from them, from their offense, defense did give up points, but it wasn't anything crazy. It was just one of those we're up and stuff happens, you know, get a play, get a big play there, a play here from the Roosters. But I think once Corpio went up by two touchdowns, it's pretty much coasting after that. They just started working on certain plays and certain options. But I think Corpio really won the game. Roosters lost the game. It's, it's simple. It's just one team looked look better than the other. Steelers out there for the three-peat. That's what they're going for, man. And uh, they played together as a team. All sides of the ball were firing. They did really well. Their defense, as we've commented all through this pod, did really well. And then their offense, I, I, I put down in my notes that Joey Bradley was just so composed. You know, he, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look rushed. He was cool, calm, collected, as, you know, the saying goes. They look like they, they mean business. Um, they kind of got the same kind of, you know, when um, the Roosters were kind of like in the dynasty age, come out and just everything looked, looked rehearsed. Everything looked, you know, drilled in. You know, there weren't many mental mistakes. Whereas if you looked on the other side of the ball, there was a lot of drop catches, balls on the floor. There was a few assignments missed. And, you know, that old kind of dynasty age of the Roosters is not... Not quite up to up to their standard, but the Steelers showed that throughout the game that they were regimented. They knew what they were doing. They did it well all the time. They just looked like they were cruising, uh, like you said. Like you said, they were so efficient. Joey B was what twenty for twenty six. I'm on the calculator right now, guys, trying to figure out what that percentage is. Seventy seven percent completion, and you know mm-hmm. what. He threw an interception too, so that's that counts as well. So that's twenty one for twenty six. Eighty one percent of the balls he threw were caught. God damn it! I don't care if it's offense or defense. Eighty one percent. To be honest, I'm not surprised. I I listened to his podcast as well. Uh, you know, Joey's a, a great character, an interesting character, and uh, he's been enjoying himself this this off season. And um, I think it's coming through on the on the field, man. He's he's, he's cool. He's so yeah. chill. He didn't look rushed at all. I, I watched the game. I, I watched him. He had people in his face. He was being chased down at certain times, but he was super chill. Like the one um, touchdown he threw to the big truck, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, uh, Villa Lynch then. He was getting chased. He roll, he had to roll out and he's thrown across his body at, at sort of an angle. And it was like like nothing. So, um, yeah, man, Joey's on it this year. I agree with you guys. They definitely won the game. And this is the way you do it. Like, okay, first, you know, last week I did make a challenge about the 50-burger. And I like 49. That's great. But it is not 50. There's a difference between 49 and 50. And I said seven possessions go for two. But they had eight possessions. They lost one with interception. So that interception probably would have gave them the 50, what is it, 56 they would have had. But you made your point. That's what I'm going to say. You might not have got the 50 burger that I, you know, challenged you to, but you did make your point that you want to be the best team, the dynasty, as much as Q don't want us to talk about it. This was the first step in cement in that dynasty is you put up the points that you needed and you were very consistent with it. That is what makes it really hard to do to win or loss in this game because you really felt like they won, but they had to win also. The score was 49 to 20, which seems like a blowout. And you never really thought that they weren't going to win the game. But at the end of the first quarter, it was seven to six. The first touchdown in the Maple League season this year was scored by none other than my guy, Santu Vekamaki. Roosters mm-hmm. scored first. They got on the board. They came out hot like the Roosters do at home. And Corbio Steelers chilled them out. Didn't get hurried, bothered, rushed by. They're like, okay, we'll give you that. You got the young kid playing tight end. Maybe we weren't ready for that. You can have it. And they came out, put up points. And like you said earlier, Roosters put up some points as well and, and gave them a run for their money. I think at, at one point it was like 35 to 20, even, you know, a two score game at one point in the fourth quarter, you know, champions do what champions do. And that's what the Steelers did in this game. In the first game of the season, I think it was a great way to start the season to really set the tone of this team. They're the team to beat. And the Roosters are a different team than what we've seen in the past. Like you said earlier, Q, it's not all bad for the Roosters either. Santu got on the board early this year, already set up his receiver dynasty, in my opinion. Bryce looked really good. Last thing I want to throw out there, just because I feel like it'd be weird not to talk about it, but the French receiver came in and did his thing, right? Oh, yes, he did. I got it down. Right. I was hitting you up when uh, on our private chat. I said, you know, that's a great signing. Lewis Attile play everywhere, and he definitely gave the Roosters an edge to compete. They did lose by quite a, a big margin, but there were times where they did compete. And like you mentioned, Vahomaki, the Roosters have got a very young offense, but they've got a lot of potential. They do. Yeah. Because, okay, there were drops. I get it. You know, I, I'm a receiver myself. I know where they go. And, you know, you can you can practice that out and you can work on your confidence. And I think that with the chemistry they'll get now with Bryce as they move forward, because he's new, I don't want to sleep on him. I don't want to sleep on him. Yeah, yeah, you can't. They might have only scored 20 against arguably one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league. I'm not sleeping on him. I've got some some hope for that that offense with uh, Nick Holt or Nick Holt. I don't know how you how you pronounce it, but um, with him in the mix, reminds me a little bit of um, Connett. Yeah. Oh, Adam Connett. Yeah, he's like um, like like a version of Adam, where they can offer those kind of um, those jet sweeps, that running back position. You know, they can throw him around and do some interesting stuff. So. I'm not sleeping on the Roosters' offense at all. Slap me in the face for saying in the last show that you won't be seeing, you know, jet sweeps and stuff from them, and they come out and start running <laughs> jet sweeps. <laughs> I admit I was wrong, guys. I was like, these sons of guns out here jet sweeping in left and right. <laughs> 
brings in a different aspect. He's a guy that he's a receiver that could be a running back type of guy. You know mm-hmm. those. What is it? Is it Tyreek Hill? Is that the guy in the NFL? That's yeah. the guy now that you would could be a running well, Debo. back. Or Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel. Yeah. yeah. But not as big and strong looking. Debo Samuel, he looked like Terrell Owens, but he run like, you know, <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah. But, just like Spence said, he can't count the Roosters out because of his first game loss is just Corpio's a, a season good team. It's just when you're a team like the Roosters who are in a rebuilding stage or or development stage, you're going to go through games like this. Um, it doesn't kill your season, but it, what it does is it allows your younger guys to learn and it, it allows the coaches to learn about them, see how they fought through it, see if they kept giving 100% effort. You look for certain things in these games to see, like, who are winning the one-on-one battles? Did the O-line overpower our D-line? Which they did. I, I mean, I think Corpio O-line is good, but I also feel like the Roosters, like, they held their own. Front seven-wise, they held their own. They're young at the linebacker position. They have uh, one or two veteran safeties that are still playing. So if they develop these guys in a few spots, um, unfortunately, you have to do it during the season which kind of sucks because the only way to get better is repetition, obviously against competition that you don't see every day in practice. So the Roosters are, are still, I think they maybe won two lost season this year. I don't, I don't foresee them losing three or four games, but it's possible. But I also feel like they're still going to be a good team. Um, just not what we're used to seeing, just not that type of big show that yeah. we're used to seeing from them. They'll have a, they'll have a lot more close games, I believe, but I do think, it's an upside on from this game. Watching the game, it's like, okay, well, if they get the ball in his hands a little more, if they isolate this person a little more, then, then their offense will open up. So just to piggyback out what Spence said, the Roosters still have an upside. Corpio, they, they put a message out there too to all the other teams. Yeah, I don't think they're a dynasty, but this first game was very, very persuasive in what they're trying to do. I know their they're coach. I know they're trying to We'll go to another championship, and that's how you start the season off with a game like that. You want to separate yourself from the pack early, and I think Corpio did that. Let me put out my apologies. I know I said that I have, like, no faith in the Roosters' offensive line. <laughs> I'd like to apologize because I feel like they made some improvements. Also, I don't think they made, like, drastic improvements. Like, I don't all of a sudden have nothing but faith in that line. But like you mm-hmm. said, they – on both sides of the of the line, offense and defense, the Roosters matched up pretty well in this game. There were some some outliers. Your boy Akeem, the Dream, he did really well in this yeah. game as well. Um, but I, you know what? I'm gonna throw shade anyways. Why not? When he plays defensive end, he's kind of lazy out there. I like the whole Aaron Donald mix. And obviously, I can't be watching you now. So this is what you're gonna have to hear every week. But I like the the Aaron Donald mix. He played defensive tackle, but and then he also played defensive end. Defensive tackle, he was a little bit more productive, even though he was being double teamed, but he had a shorter distance to travel to get to the backfield. He had a sack in the game, matter of fact. And he basically just swim moved on the center with a little okie doke, which is really good, really good move. And we're straight to the quarterback. But when he had to play defensive end, he had to work a little bit longer. And a lot of times you see him kind of slow up towards the end of the play. Now that's just me watching film, buddy. But you know, he still still you were putting the pressure out there. But I feel like I thought that this offensive line was just going to get overwhelmed by the Steelers, and they did. They really didn't. And in this game, the running back, the young guy, oh, man, I want to get your name right. I want to say Atu. 
I want to get it wrong, but last name Mikanen. I know it's Mikanen. But the running back did well for the Roosters. The Roosters running back, the young kid. I think he's only 17 years old. He did, he did really good. You know, it wasn't great. Didn't kill the stats or anything. If I'm Yeah, averaged three yards a carry, but he only had seven carries. So wasn't expecting a lot to come from him, but he did really good in this game. What I really took from the game is that both of these teams trying to bring back the tight end position. And not just one tight end, two tight ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they both out here running two tight end sets. Before the season, we've said in our like group chats and stuff, we we talk about all the signings. And one thing that we talked about was that you know a lot of teams aren't signing or don't have you know top tier wide receivers. And two of arguably the best teams in the league just said in the first week, "Fuck them receivers. We don't need them. We got tight ends." And it looked good. Like, I'm just throwing out the information. I, I don't back. I don't fall back. Don't forget. Yeah, and a full, fullback tight end hybrid for them. But it looked good. It was a different type of football than what we're accustomed to seeing. But it was still interesting. But I'm going to compare it to, like, how in the women's league that I, I've just been watching the women's league earlier this weekend as well. You know, they use tight end sets. And it's not the same, you know, production of plays. These teams were using two tight end sets. Yeah, both teams still threw for over 200 yards. Yeah. Joey had, what, four touchdowns? And I think Stan Combe had three touchdowns. And the Steelers still ran for almost 200 yards. So you're still playing football. You're still moving the ball. You're not just, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust trying to get everybody bunched in. They're using, they're utilizing, not using. You know, using is a bad word. They're utilizing tight ends. I think it's really cool to see them do that. It'll be interesting going forward to see how that works with the rest of the league. Because I, I couldn't remember the last time anybody was using a tight end in Europe. Well, you go back in the Tommy Pinter days. He was a big uh, big influence in it, especially when he went to Germany. Germany, most of the teams use them. Because they have all those big, big, slow guys that look like Tommy Pinter. Yeah. Like you don't have you don't have that body type in Finland most of the time. And most of those guys, if, if they're in Finland, they just play defensive end. Because you get, you think of somebody like Oko Oitinen, if he was in Germany, he would have probably at some point been put at tight end. But in Finland, they just put him at defensive end and leave it alone. So two teams, two very good teams decided if they want to develop that position into their offense and really using the position, you know, not just adding an extra lineman. They're actually using that position. Those roosters, when Santu Vekamaki played tight end, I think he may he might have blocked maybe twice in the whole game. He was basically just using that position to get into better situations in his receiving routes. But that's something that you don't see. So it's really interesting to see both of these teams, I guess not bring back the tight end position, but transcend the tight end position. Is that too much to say? It's a different way that they're using it than what you would have been accustomed to in the past. So they're not like going backwards. They're still going forward with the offense. Yeah, that's exciting to see. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. So now... It's time for tough questions. What are some questions that these teams that are playing this upcoming week 
need to answer. Q, uh, hit us with a question. Uh, my question will obviously be with the, the team that we just talked about, um, the Roosters. Um, this next game is very important for the Roosters to play in the Coca Eagles. This is very, very important. You can, I won't say they have to, but they need to win for confidence-wise. The thing about having younger guys is that your confidence can be cut short at any given time due to losses. Coca, I know they were probably all together yesterday sitting in the room uh, eating a whole bunch of chips and candy. and, and um, I think they were at the game. Uh, I thought uh, I think I saw a section of Kotka people wearing shades at the game. I don't know if they're Ray Bans, but I did see those shades. Look good, guys. Okay. So they're they're together. They're licking their chops right now. Like, hey, we have a chance. Like, some of them might feel like they're gonna win. I mean, it, it, they should. Don't they don't should. step on the field if you don't think you can win. Don't yeah, step on like, the field if you don't think you can win. You, you know, like the 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 little brother who who watches the big brothers play play in a basketball game and then they dream one day that they'll actually get to play in the game and then they finally get to, you know, it's like it goes one way. It's either like they get all their shots blocked or they actually shoot a long range three and then they hit and then everybody knows the little, little brother can play. So it's like I want to jump cool. in on that. I want to jump in with an antidote. I, yeah. I like to keep the show, you know, personal. Um, I have a, a younger brother, two and a half years younger than me. So when I was in high school, you know, I was a senior. He was a sophomore. His sophomore year, we both ran track. People that knew us growing up knew that we both were good at sports, and especially for our age groups. We both were always, you know, starters. Everybody knows who you are. So there was never really like, I'm better than you, you better than me. But, you know, obviously we compared and we could never come to a consensus. And I could always beat him one-on-one -on -one and stuff because I was a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. But the consensus was, I'm faster. Like people would say, you know, when he plays football, he has really good skills. He's quick. He can catch. He can do this. And they're like, you, you're fast. Like, that was my thing. Like, that was my thing. Like, I give, you give me the ball, no one's going to catch me. Like, that's what I do. So, in track, obviously, I'm fast. I'm on the four by one. I'm on, I run the 100, 200, stuff like that. I'm on varsity track. He's on JV. He's in 10th grade. I'm in 12th grade. But we practice together. We're running 200s. 200 is not my thing, guys. I'm a sprinter. You know, I like I like to run the 100. So and I don't know if any of y'all know, like if you're at track practice in high school and you're running, what you do is if you're a sprinter, your track practice that day will be, you know, we're going to run four 400s and then we're going to run six 200s and then you got two 100s. That's how you run. Even though I never ran anything over a 200 in a fucking meet ever but I'm running 400 for practice. But one practice, we're running 200s. And my brother, he's a hurdler, so he runs 300s, like the 300 hurdles. So he normally runs like 600s and stuff. He's short, but he could, he could jump over the hurdles. Point of the story, I'm talking too long, I know. The point of the story is we're running a 200-meter, like just, you know, striding, not sprint sprinting, but we're striding. You got to run fast enough to make a certain time. And we're running a 200, and somehow me and him getting the same heat. I'm not worried about him. I don't think about this guy. I'm just like, I'm just going to probably win the heat because I'm the fastest in this group. I'm just going to run my 200. I'm running my 200 as I do. And, you know, the last 50 meters, shoot, I'm just coasting because I'm lucky if I can make those last 50 meters. And all of a sudden, I like, I feel a presence. I don't know what the presence is. I look to my, to, to my right and my little brother 
is passing me like at the last like 10 meters and he beat me and I'm from a family of you know if you beat somebody you love no hey you got beat after we finish get to the finish line he just like looks at me like up and down like just like looks at me and walks off don't say anything which is worse it's worse didn't say nothing to me and I swear, he probably don't even tell this story. I tell this story all the time because that's the only time he ever beat me in his life. His <laughs> life is the only time he ever beat me. And at that point, I quit track. Like the next week, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> cool. take, take my ball and go home. This is stupid. <laughs> it was at that point when he looked me up and down and walked off. That's when I knew that like I didn't like track. I was like, this ain't for me. This is stupid. Like, no, there's no way. <laughs> I was ass. There's no way that I'm doing something he can beat me in. That was an interesting twist at the end. Yeah. I, when you talked about big brother, little brother, like going against each other, that's just what it reminded me of. And I threw in my antidote. I might not have put that in the show. I don't know. But it was interesting. I agree with you, too, that, like, you know, Kotka is going to be looking at Helsinki like big brother. Kotka is only about 45 minutes away from Helsinki. You would prefer that they look at like Porvu as Big Brother, but yeah. Yeah. you gotta yeah. actually, you know, aspire to Big Brother. Yeah. Sorry, Porvu. You know what it is. What about you, Spencer? Um, what's a question you have for one of these teams coming up? Do Kotka have it? Can they play in the Maple League? And like you said, there's blood in the water. You know, the roosters have been cut. You know, they're not the team they were. So the the Kotka team are gonna be excited going into it. But um, can they play in the Maple League? That's going to be a very straightforward question. And it's going to be really interesting to see. My question is, what will you do when it get tough? Because it's going to get tough. There's going to be a situation. There's going to be an, op- an opportunity in this game where it's going to look like, okay, you're done. That's it. It's over. You're not going to win this game. There's going to be a time. It could be in that first drive, like when they played the Steelers this last weekend, where they came out and scored on the first drive. That could be demoralizing, especially if you're the visiting team, which yeah. the Eagles will be. So I want to know, what are you guys going to do when it gets tough? Can you respond? That's my question. Answer my question, guys. Answer my question. So the, the second game is going to be Wolverines versus UNC Crusaders, and that's the, the Friday night game. So what questions you got for them, Q? Wolverines, who are you? Who are you? Ooh, okay. Yeah. Who are not? We know who's on your team. Um, we know who's on your roster. But who will you be this season? Will you be that team that's the big names, but a lot of mistakes, a lot of egos, some big players don't play together? Or are you going to be that team that is playing together, coach well, playing good football and dominating? Everybody wants to see what the what the Wolverines has to offer this year. A lot of people are expecting them to be, you know, in the top, including us, expecting them to be one of the top two, three teams. They're playing against a team that we don't really know much about besides a few guys that are playing for them. Roster, they do have roster problems as far as filling their roster. So it's going to be a fight um, for UNC. But that doesn't change the fact that the Wolverines still have to play and they still have to come out and show something. Uh, Jabari, obviously, big name. He's going to do what he does, running, throwing. He has RJ, J-Mo, Curtis Slater, 
Uh, it's a lot of big names in this game. But Wolverines, we want to know who are you? Who's your team identity? What are, what are you going to show people? What do people have to stop when they play you? We yeah. want to know what is the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. Yeah. All them goddamn names. And <laughs> you know, all them goddamn names don't do nothing because yeah. what happens on the front is how you're going to be remembered. Was the Wolverines yeah. good or were the Wolverines trash? Nobody care how yeah. many how many touchdowns you get, Jabari. If y'all lose, y'all lose. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm on my second cup of coffee, guys. This is how I get on the second cup. It's true. It's true, though. You, you're definitely right. Who are that's why I said, who are you? What are you what are you gonna present out to the league and to the world? So that's my main question for the Wolverines. Like, are you are you gonna be that team? What about you, Spencer? What do you got for this game? For the Wolverines as well. How many touchdowns are you going to score with all these weapons? Put it out there. You know what you got to ask them. You know what you got to ask them. Are you going to put up a 50 burger with all those weapons? You got Martin Amos, Curtis Slayer, RJ Long. You know, RJ and Jabari have a long, long standing relationship, you know, from many teams across many countries. Can it be reignited? You know, Martin Amos is going to spread the field. Curtis Slayer is fast and can do everything in the middle. And, you know, RJ's known to be, you know, everything. So, I'm going to see a lot of fades, especially in this league. And, um, yeah, can you put up a 50-burger against what we already know is a weak Crusaders team? It's the standard, and this team is supposed to be the standard. In theory, all those names on the back should be the team. The name on the front is putting up 50 points. See how I added both y'all's questions? Because I'm going to go and ask the UNC Crusaders a question. For the UNC Crusaders, my question is, will you be able to survive? Will you be able to survive? And when I say that, I know it's kind of open-ended question, but will you survive this game? Will you be able to play four full quarters? I'm not expecting you guys to come out and beat the Wolverines. Like, I'm not. But I am expecting you to play against the Wolverines. What we saw in this last game, which was really interesting, you know, it never really got to the point that the Steelers were like, okay, let's put in all our backups. It never got to that. As, as many points as they were scoring, the Roosters were in the game. The Roosters made them play the game. The Wolverines, we said that they should put up 50. I'm not expecting UNC to put up 20 against their 50. I'm expecting it to be more of a – 49 to 6, 49 to 7 situation. But my question for UNC would be, can you play in four quarters? I don't care if you don't score at all in any of the game, but can you play to where they don't feel comfortable? They don't feel like, oh, this is easy. We're going to put in our subs. As soon as I start seeing subs go in, I know that y'all y'all are done. Now, if they start putting in subs and y'all start putting up points, they're going to start, they're going to put their starters back in. And that's where I know that you're still playing. But my main question for UNC would be, can you survive? Can you survive this game? Can you play all four quarters? You don't have a lot of people. Your imports are probably going to be playing both ways. Can you survive, especially in that type of situation? Can you survive? That would be my question for them. So the third game of the weekend is the Sinioki Crocodiles hosting the Porvoo Butchers. Just saying the names, this is a good matchup, right? Yeah, man. Two organizations that are definitely, you know, worth watching play each other so what would your question be for one of these two teams q more so for the crocodiles uh quarterback play does your quarterback play um improve from last year they went through a lot of growing pains with that um having the injured quarterback um i think they went through 
two court. Well, I don't say two quarterbacks, but they had a backup quarterback playing a lot last year. Kind of held them back. I think the Crocs are uh, coming into this game as the big dogs. Everybody knows Powell and what the Crocs bring every year. They're gonna fight. They have the defense that's gonna fly around. They're gonna give you a lot of effort, man. They're gonna they're gonna fight. So Porvo, Brandon Gwinner, he's gonna have a lot to deal with in this game. He's gonna have a lot to deal with. He's gonna have to come out and some kind of way give this team spark um, and give them some type of offense because you're not going to beat the Crocs scoring 14 points. You're not going to beat the Crocs scoring 21 points. I was guaranteeing you 21 points just for <laughs> yeah, them. He's, he's, he's going to three touchdowns. Himself, you know what I mean? So um, my question overall would just be the, to the Crocs, what does this season mean to you? What kind of statement are you trying to make? Uh, we know you want to win. Is it time for for them to go to that next level? Because they've been on that brink, always have just these small little things that happen right before the playoffs where it's like they take a big loss or, you know, it's just they'll play a really, really good game and then they'll come back and, like, just shit the bed one game. So um, what does this season mean to the Crocs? Porvo, my question to them just overall would be, what type of season are you trying to have? Are you Are you developing right now? Are you trying to go to the playoffs? No, you just out here trying to give it all you got. I know Brandon Quinter is a is a player. He's a competitor. He will give his all to that team. So Miko Seppinen, what kind of season is he he gonna have? I think this is gonna be Miko Seppinen's big year, biggest year since he's been playing. I think I put him on the MVP list. That's what's up. Yeah, I had to go back and look at Brandon Quinter. Um, and see what he was able to do. I had to see some plays that he made. In. And I know he had alpha, but I also feel like any athletic receiver with him will be good. So I think Miko has to, has to step it up this year and, like, say, hey, throw me the ball. We're going to make a difference. If we lose, it won't be because of us. Yeah, interesting thing you said, because you asked, we basically asked both teams in this game, what is your season going to be? That's a lot of pressure on the first game, but it's it's very accurate. Look at both of these teams. Look at where we put them in the rankings. Yep. This could potentially be the difference between playoffs or not playoffs. Right here in the first week. Not yet. I hope somebody saves this on their phone and we can come back to this in a couple of weeks and be like, damn, that game is really holding weight now. If the Butchers win this game, it could be the difference between them having, you know, six wins in the season and making the playoffs. Or maybe if the Crocs win this, this could be the difference between them having six wins. Like Crocs, Butchers, Eagles, maybe even Roosters. Who knows? Those four teams could all be fighting for two spots. So this could be a playoff game for these guys. What about you, Spencer? What's the question you have? Uh, For the Butchers, it's can you make uh, the next step? Butchers have been through kind of a rebuilding phase. You know, they brought in Jabari for a couple of uh, seasons and they've been moving things around. A couple of the older guys have left. It's, it's similar to what Q said is, like, can you make that next step to be a playoff contender every year? You know, they've dipped down. They went through a little bit of a trough in their in their performances, but now they brought in Brandon Gwinner. I think it's going to add something different. Jabari is his own sort of athlete. They've got something else, you know, on the ball all the time. Q, I'd, I'd love it for Mika to have his best year. You know, I'm a big fan of Mika Seppin and I'll, I'll always be praising him and I hope that he does. But as a team together, um, I, I think I brought it up in the in the preseason bit was that, you know, can they rebuild and can they make that step to be the Butchers team that we used to know? Yeah. You know, they'll be the hard-nosed, you know, defensive grinding team. But like, can they make the next step to having that identity in the Maple League is not just being one year they're good, one year they're not kind of team. 
can they build stability? And then for the crops is, can you take pressure off Christian Powell? We all know what CP can do. I mean, you know, I, I played with him. I was quarterback when I played with him and we fed him all the time. Although I did drop some dimes, I will say so myself. Do you guys remember when Spencer Cutland had, what was it, three touchdowns, 300 yards? Three something. I can't remember what it was, but he had an epic game at quarterback. I just want to keep bringing this up in this podcast so that y'all know that this guy is not a slouch. This guy is not a slouch at, at quarterback. Everybody knows him at receiver. I'm just telling you that he is multi-talented. And now he's into broadcasting. You know, he's on the podcast now, getting into media. There's nothing that Spencer Cutlin cannot do. Okay, back to you. Sorry. I just throw in my piece. But yeah, like obviously Zach, Zach Wyatt had his back. I watched their uh, sort of preseason scrimmage yesterday and he seems mobile. He seems like he can sling it. It was really wet. You know, he was really drilling it in um, to some of the guys. You know, can they take some pressure off CP and not have to rely on him to, to carry team? Because he has over the last, you know, however many years. So, yeah, can you take pressure off CP to open up that defense, to make them think, oh, we've actually got to stop the pass as well so that then that opens up CP you know, he won't be worn out all the time because, um, you know, he, he gets a lot of touches, a lot of touches. And don't get me wrong, he's the most conditioned and dedicated athlete I've ever worked with and been on a team with. That guy is religiously in the gym, religiously in the sauna, religiously stretching. He is one of the most prepared athletes I've ever you know, played with. But um, it's about time that the crops step up and do something else. Not, not, not neglecting him and leaving him alone, no, but like they need that extra edge to take that step and claim that that playoff place because it's going to be a critical a critical thing this year. Pressure off CP. I don't have any questions for either one of these teams. Yep, I'm opting out. <laughs> wow. You know why I'm opting out though? I'm opting out because first I'll of all, I think you guys because you know this one's going to take a while to edit because we've gone on for a long time. <laughs> True that too, but when I look at the crocodiles in power, we trust. That's fine. I'm. 100% with it. When I look at the poor blue butchers, Dallas Cowboys, I said it. <laughs> I don't have any questions. I know who the Dallas Cowboys are, and I know who Christian Powell is. Whoa. Yep, yep, yep. That's, that says a lot, though. Sometimes you don't have to say much to say what you need. Yeah. Ooh, I would put that on a shirt, huh? Okay. So those, <laughs> those are our tough questions, man. Very tough questions, too. Look good, play good. It's as simple as that. And Ray Athletics will help you look good in their fully customizable team uniforms. Made by players, for players. Ray Athletics produces high-quality uniforms for teams all over Europe. Ray also allows teams to design custom apparel for comfortable travel and workout purposes. Visit rayer.se today to take your team to the next level. Stay sharp. So Maple League teams are back in action this week. On Thursday, the Helsinki Roosters will take on the Kotka Eagles. Then the Helsinki Wolverines will take on the UNC Crusaders on Friday. And the weekend ends on Saturday with the Sinioki Crocodiles taking on the Porvoo Butchers. Our panel of football enthusiasts will pick winners for this week's game on our Instagram account at American Football in Finland. Feel free to find us in the comments with your thoughts. Right now, our rankings are everybody in first and Q is in last. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is 1-0 and, and Q is 0-1. If you have some you know, suggestions or you feel a certain way about our picks, please hit us in the comments. We prefer not our personal DMs 
for this type of stuff. <laughs> the comments is where we want to, you know, that way everyone can see it. Okay, guys, because we're not afraid of a little bit of back and forth, but I'm not a big fan of the whole screenshot genre that's going on nowadays. Yeah. And and I don't do it. I don't screenshot stuff in that aspect. If you want to talk some trash, put it online. Put it where everybody can see it. Don't go behind the door and talk trash. Talk trash in front of everybody and just tag us. Tag us personally on there and we'll, we'll get into it. No biggie. If you're listening to this show right now, in the description of the show, if you look down in the bottom of the description, there's going to be details on how you can win free, rare merchandise. And I'm not talking about like t-shirts and hats. I'm talking about like visors, gloves, mouth guards, like stuff with value. Rare is going to be given away to a special winner who follows the rules in the description below. So just go down there, follow the rules, do whatever it says, and you might win something real good this weekend. That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen. Any last words before we go, guys? Q, any last words? No, let's good luck to all the teams that are starting their first game this week. Looking forward to watching it. Yep, first uh, the first game's over and done with. We've seen a couple of things. Steelers are out for blood. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great to kick off the full week of games uh, this weekend. So uh, looking forward to it. For me, I'm interested to know what Corpio Steelers guys are doing this weekend. If y'all are doing something fun or y'all are doing some team builder or something, tag American Football in Finland. We want to know what you guys are up to since you are the champions, the reigning champions. If you enjoy the show, Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less tells us that you are a hater. You can follow haters. You can also follow us on the gram or Facebook at American Football in Finland. Until next time, never forget T I F. American football in Finland.